I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. I'm excited today to welcome as a guest, Minister Roosevelt Sharif. I came to know the minister during our time together at New York Theological Seminary. But one thing I did not know and just recently found out is that he, just like myself, was also involved heavily in the music business and now he has found his calling in the ministry. Minister Roosevelt Sharif is the Associate Minister, Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Harlem, New York. He is also the CEO and co-founder of From Hip Hop to Hallelujah, an organization that ministers to our youth. And at this time, I would like to welcome Minister Roosevelt Sharif. How are you, my dear brother? Uh, I'm I'm elated uh, because I'm talking to my brother, Reverend Glover. So God bless you. And, and um, I am so humbled and honored um, that you would extend an invitation to me. Well, I am certainly glad to have you. And, um, you know, this is about sharing our sacred story. So we're going to jump right in. Looking at your bio, you know, it tells us that you are a native New Yorker born in Spanish Harlem and raised in the South Bronx. It also says that as a youngster, you were no stranger to church and you, you were properly introduced to the Lord at a very tender age. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, well, it was my mother's eldest brother who was a pastor. Uh, before he transitioned, he was an archbishop and he was a very uh, powerfully anointed and, and gifted uh, preacher singer um, at a young age you have a very short attention deficit <laughs> mm -hmm. and he commanded your attention from the time that he opened his mouth until the time that he sat down and for me that was powerful um, and you know as I look back now as a quote-unquote minister or or preacher in the making um his ability to set up and defend an argument was i mean unbelievable mm -hmm. and I, I i listened to you know as you're looking to find your voice as a preacher you 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 study other preachers and I think there are, I want to say, a handful or more that had that ability to really uh, set up and defend an argument uh, like my uncle. Amen. Well, obviously, he was an influence in your life. And now I just want to kind of jump to um, somewhere around 1985. Um, you're, you're <laughs> because you and I were both introduced to the Lord at a young age, but then something happened <laughs> in right. life. And for me, it was, you know, being falling in love with music, the, playing the guitar and, and ending up playing with one of the groups that, that I admired, um, the Delphonics, right? But in 1985, right. your bio says that you were a member of one of the first rap groups 
ever signed to a major record label. And that record label was Capitol Records and the group was known as the Boogie Boys. So how did all of that start? Well, actually, um, the founding member of the group um, had brought myself and another brother, um, the founding member being William D. Strowman, God rest his soul, uh, brought myself and Joseph Edward Malloy into the studio. And basically I had uh, William Strowman, AKA Boogie Knight and I were childhood friends uh, because I basically, my father lived in Harlem. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time in Harlem and um, we basically grew up together, so to speak. Uh, but he and Joseph Edward Malloy, AKA uh, Romeo JD, um, went to high school together. And we came together to, to do, to lay down some tracks. And our producer, uh, Ted Currier was so impressed at the chemistry. And he understood that at time, um, he had a singles deal with Capital, and he knew that Capital would not put the money into um, promoting a singles deal, let alone that they had never had a a a rap a rapper or a, a hip hop group before. So promoting, you know, was would become an issue. Uh, but we wound up signing and uh, basically I did two LPs with the group and unfortunately we were young and naive and we were basically being uh, screwed out of our publishing. Right. I was fortunate enough to surround myself with people that really taught me the business and as I gained more business knowledge I became a threat to production and so they chose to manipulate, divide, and conquer, and kind of target me as the bad guy in the group because they knew that as long as I had knowledge, I wasn't the one that would sell out, you know, while my brothers were struggling. Right, 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 right. So let me ask you a question. You know, listen, exploitation and thievery and robbery is, has always been a partner in the music business, right? Yeah. But let me ask you this, in terms of, now we're talking about the mid-80s, and in terms of the type of music and the lyrical content and the imagery that you gentlemen presented, what was different then as opposed to what we're seeing, um, you know, further towards our current um, period of time and that, you know, the development of rap and, and R&B? What was different back then? Well, well, first and foremost, we were one of the first rap artists to actually incorporate singing hooks mm -hmm. on our records. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had people from uh, Paul and Funkadelic uh, doing background vocals. Um, we had people like um, other, other artists uh, doing background vocals. And our lyrics were, were geared more towards um, positive things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the first major hit record was called Flyger. Mm -hmm. And so, there, you know, we presented 
basically fly girl was presenting a woman in a positive light fly right. girl right right um the second lp basically um there were there were basically two songs uh that were more so like conscious or, or reality based and one colorblind world was actually written as a result of a experience on the road mm-hmm. and it was the last show before we were going in to work on the second lp and we were in florida and there were a whole bunch of different artists on the bill um the fat boys was the headlining act mm-hmm. and um basically there was a direct box in our dressing room so you know if you have a headset and you plug in the headset you can hear everything that's going on throughout the arena right and so we would overhear the the uh light director talking to the sound director every time a group came on stage and performed and they would make these you know seriously racist and derogatory comments mm-hmm. um about people of color in general right and after a while um joseph became so angry that he started recording mm-hmm. what was being said and every time a group came off stage he would play back what was being said mm-hmm. and you know how brothers get <laughs> sometimes <laughs> and basically you know i mean brothers were extremely upset upset to the point where like they wanted to physically retaliate right right and mm-hmm. i became the voice of reason and i said listen i said our hotel is directly across the street from this venue and it's a long way back to new york from from florida <laughs> right and you better believe that if we retaliate there's going to be more of them than there will be of us right i said but look at it this way all of their negativity stems from their jealousy they're jealous over the fact that we're a bunch of young black men men of color and the tables have turned we're paying them and they're not paying us mm-hmm. and so that's problematic mm-hmm. and you know as they thought about it you know i guess i i thank god that tempers were calmed by basically what i said right 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 well thank god for that let me ask you this um <clears throat> you know back in the day if i if i remember correctly a lot of the rap music when i'm talking about things like um you know remember the song don't push me cuz i'm close to the edge right. a lot of these lyrics the lyrical content was uh social consciousness and describing the lived experience of the day and somehow along the road um the the lyrical content began to digress to to you know um uh gangsterism and exploitation of women and but you guys were never a part of that were you no no we weren't and, and we why were. why do you we think were. that happened um 
I think it was a sign of the times. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of people become products of their environment, mm-hmm. and so when you're when you're subjected to all of those negative elements, um, where you you see women in a negative light, or you're 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 exposed to all of these. Uh, different things you you begin to project that and at least um, you know yeah I was raised um, you know although I was raised and and there was uh, you know there was a foundation I was exposed to elements but I didn't allow the elements uh, to take over what I wanted to be portrayed in society as, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So you had so, something inside of you. Yeah. Yeah, we know you that know. Was, we know that's the spirit of the Lord. But let me ask you, so as you, you know, as you progressed in the business and in performing and all of that, you know, with me, I thought that the music business and that being active in the music business would would um, give me the fulfillment, the joy, the prosperity that you know, to make my life complete. And, and years in, I found out that this wasn't the case. And, and so how, how did you feel years into the, into the business? What happened to you? Because obviously, <laughs> obviously you transitioned away from that. And so I want to yeah. know what, 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 what did you experience in your, in your, in your heart that caused you to, to move in another direction? Unfortunately, um, I was basically uh, the founding member was manipulated to basically ask me to leave the group. And at the time, things were already going downhill. Um, the last tour we did uh, was with a major group during that time, uh, which wasn't a rap group, by the way. Um, I, I won't mention any names. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that's when things were going downhill. And I was really, um, prior to that, I was really starting to see uh, the other side of the business, the real ugly side. Mm-hmm. And uh, people were really trying to break me, break my spirit. Uh, but I'm grateful for the foundation and I had some really dark days where I thought about doing some things that there were no coming back from. Right, right. And and um, as I really had the time to uh, do what what we call uh, some introspective retrospection, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was revealed to me that there were doors that were not meant for me to walk through. Hmm. Um. My mother once said to me, "There, you've had an anointing in your voice uh, from the time that you began to speak. And so I believe that there was something different for me. Um, during that time, I really didn't know what it was. And it was painful because I watched uh, my dream just be boiled up and, mm-hmm. and thrown away. Mm-hmm. Um but I was able to overcome that by the grace of God. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so when was and, it that when was it that um, you know you you started? I don't know. Probably going back to the church or reading your Bible. When, when did all of that <laughs> happen? Well, actually, I um, I gave my hand to man and my heart to God at the age of thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a cold winter morning. Uh, on January the 7th and I was coming to Mount Calvary to support my mom who was active in in the uh, choir she was singing with the gospel chorus and uh, the pastor who has always been God rest his soul like a father to me uh, I've known him ever since I was little Um, basically when my uncle passed away uh, church for me wasn't the same for a long time mm-hmm. and I guess what I really missed was the spirit that I felt when I walked into the sanctuary and it was on that cold morning on January the 7th uh, when that same spirit that I knew as a child met me when I walked through those church doors and and after after hearing the gospel preached, um, I committed my life back to Christ. Amen. Amen. So it sounds and, to me, sounds to me like you didn't, um, you didn't um, meet God on the mountaintops of peace and prosperity, but down in the valley somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, and 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 then the the valley got even lower, uh, like a year later. No, that same year. Uh, I was diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and um, this was I guess my wilderness this was my Moses moment with God mm-hmm. and I found myself on the other side of the mountain but God was showing me uh, why God is who God is mm-hmm. and basically after undergoing uh extensive chemotherapy and uh, two major surgeries after the second surgery I was under for over 14 hours and when I came to uh, the surgeon told me that they could not find a remaining tumor cell in my body amen amen um, but I still was kind of running because I felt like there were all of these things that I needed to change about myself but when I really truly committed uh, because my seminary journey actually began during that time I had entered into New York Theological Certificate Program Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know I don't blame the fact that I was in remission on not completing it it just wasn't my time right Um, if if Dr. Roberts were around to, to have his say uh, he would, <laughs> there would be a major debate on that, but um, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't my time. Right. And basically, I would come back in 2015, uh, not to complete a certificate program, but to do a graduate degree, uh, to do the Master of Divinity program. Mm-hmm. Well, God bless you for that. And now you find yourself in ministry. The, the um, your bio says that you 
founded the From Hip Hop to Hallelujah. And what's the um, intention with this ministry? Uh, someone created a mantra for me, and, I, and I'm grateful. And the mantra is, I could be holy or hood, pray for me or stay away from me. Right. And right. and basically, when, when Jesus came on the scene, uh, people had their own idea of who the Messiah was and, and what he was coming to do. And Jesus did not fit the description of, of the Messianic King at all. Right. And I think many of us, a lot of times, uh, don't fit the description of what people, quote unquote, believe to be uh, saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized. Right. And but Jesus tells us, you know, listen, if they hate you, remember uh, that they first hated me. Right. <laughs> so the the goal behind from hip hop to hallelujah is to really use uh, my platform in in the hip hop industry to reach uh, masses of youth, uh, basically empowering them and and letting them know that they are powerful beyond measure uh that their lives have meaning and value and we need them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know um this generation needs to know that they do have shoulders to stand on mm -hmm. and i think many unfortunately have been done wrong by those that are closest to them and so they have major trust issues. Right, right. Um, you know, but then you also have other things that have been purposely put into place, um, you know, that have made our kids uh, socially inept, mm -hmm. you know, because we no longer communicate um, person to person, we text. Mm -hmm. And texting is ambiguous. So. It's easy for a text message to be misunderstood because you're not in front of me. I, I can't read your body language. I don't know what your mood is, the tone in your voices. It's a text message. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these uh, unfortunate incidents where, you know, our children are gunning each other down starts basically with a, a beef on social media. Right. And what are they doing? It's texting words. Right. Well, we and, are and word. <clears throat> we are becoming um, more and more individualistic, as opposed to people of community. <laughs> right. So, and and you know, um, it's a sad um, activity, let's say, in in the young mind, to to withdraw into self and separate from from community. Um, I mean, the gospel was spread in, in the community and inspires people to be part of a faith community. I, I find it problematic that so many young people have decided to, and sometimes for good reason, to separate themselves from the faith community and try to go, right. to, go it alone, as they say. So I, I, my, yeah. my prayer for your organization is that you... Um, that you would inspire the the youth and to use their artistic um, um, talents and gifts and and to um, to spread a, a, 
a message of hope and faith and, and community as well. I appreciate that. I, I think that one of the, um, if I may add, uh, one of the root problems is that many, uh, unfortunately, even in some of our churches, um, we have lost our love, so to speak, uh, because in order to draw people in, uh, they must feel loved. And, and, you know, many young people that I speak to view the church as the place of public shaming, ridicule, and judgment. And so why would I want to come into a place mm -hmm. where everyone in the building resembles the same people that I'm running away from outside of the building? That's right. You know, and so I always stress that there's no such thing as the perfect church because the church is filled with us. Mm -hmm. uh, one, of, one of my former mentors would say, you know, if you ever find uh, the perfect church, don't invite me because I don't want to be the one to come and mess it up. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, but what I stress is that you have to remember what your purpose is for being in the building. And your purpose for being in the building is to strengthen your horizontal and vertical relationship with God through Christ, who is the model. Amen. Um, and remember that, yeah, people are people. You know, yes, although we consider ourselves to be men of God, we're still men. Mm -hmm. And we have flaws and issues, uh, just like everyone else. You know, but if you see me out of character, I would hope that you would pray for me before you would condemn me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and pull my coat. Let me know. Hey, come on, brother. Thank you know, man. but um, and so I think that is an issue. Well, listen, I want to um, thank you certainly for coming on, and I look forward to doing this again. Um, and to the listening audience, you have been listening to Faith Talk. And I certainly thank you for being part of our listening community, which is growing day by day. And it's becoming, uh, it's leaving a global footprint. Um, I would encourage you to visit the website at www.reverendjstuartglover.com and and where you can register as a guest on the show, you can leave me an email, um, sign up for the mailing list, uh, and even leave a voicemail. I want to thank the Reverend um, Roosevelt Sharif for coming in. He's a friend of mine, and, and, and I love him in the Lord, and I look forward to doing uh, more things with him. Roosevelt, thank you for coming on today. God bless you, my brother. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, and if I can just say one thing before mm -hmm. I let you go, please do. Uh, we we must remember that we have been called uh, as followers of the Master Teacher to be radical in our thought, revolutionary in our approach, transparent in our engagement, and transformative in our delivery. Amen. I think I told you before I might have to steal that. <laughs> it sounds like a sound like a sermon to me. Sounds like three some good points. God bless you. Thank you for listening. God bless you, bro. Amen.